Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches on walking in the power of God. Today, I would like to talk about walking in the power of God. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus set the example for us in His earthly ministry exactly how the gospel of the kingdom should be lived and preached. Amen? And make no mistake, Jesus preached a gospel of power with signs and wonders and miracles following, as did the apostles and regular people just like you and me. The power of God cannot be separated from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are synonymous. They are one and the same. The power of God is not just an attribute or a characteristic of the gospel. The Word of God says the gospel is The power of God. Amen. Romans 1.16 in the New King James Version says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So let's break this down for a second. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Amen. It is the power of God. The power is not a part of the gospel. The power is the gospel. And it says the power of God results in salvation. The Greek word there is soteria. It means salvation, health, healing, wholeness, deliverance. Salvation in the most complete sense that could ever be. Amen? So when you preach the gospel which is filled with power, it results in salvation, healing, deliverance, setting the oppressed free for everyone who will believe and receive the gospel, whether Jew or Gentile. Amen? Now, it's important for modern-day believers to understand that Jesus commissioned the church to do the same things that He did and to wield the same power that He did when He was walking on the earth. Amen? You can search the Scriptures thoroughly, and I assure you, you will not find anywhere in there a statute of limitations on the power of the Gospel, the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Back in those days, Jesus flowed with the power of God. He was anointed with the power of God. Today, Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father, and He does His miracles through the Holy Spirit, through His people, in the name of Jesus. In our last series on the power of imagination, we learned how important it is for believers to see themselves the way that God sees them. To look into the Word of God and see what God says about them in the Word. And to begin to walk out that image in our everyday life and ministry. It's important for you to see yourself the way that God sees you. Now, Jesus set the example. Jesus saw Himself as the anointed Son of God. Let's read in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1 and going through verse 21. Lengthy passage of Scripture here, but you're going to get something out of it. You're not going to get bored. Amen? (laughs) Starting at verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Don't you know, after forty days of no food, you're going to be hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you 
and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Amen. Notice that Jesus fended off all the devil's attempts to make him doubt who he was as the Son of God, and every time he did it, he used the Word of God. He said, it is written, it is written, God has said. So when the devil comes against you and me and tries to make us doubt our identity in Christ, we need to do the same thing. We need to say, devil, it is written, it is written, God has said. Amen? Let's keep reading in Luke chapter 4, verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Now, just so you know, the acceptable year of the Lord is a jubilee term. In other words, Jesus was saying, I am your jubilee. Remember, during the jubilee, everything that was lost was restored to you. Jesus basically said, I have come to be your jubilee, and everything the devil has stolen from you, I'm giving it back to you because I am Jesus, the Son of the living God. Amen. I am the long-awaited Messiah. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I reckon so. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Notice that when the devil came and tempted Jesus about his identity as the Son of God, he fended it off with the Word of God, and when he did that, he came back stronger than before. It says he came into Galilee in the power of the Spirit after fasting for 40 days. He was stronger spiritually than when he began that fast. He might have been weaker physically, but he was stronger in the Lord and the anointing had increased upon him and people took notice of it. Amen? Now I dare say that since this was his hometown synagogue, And the Bible says it was his custom to read the scriptures the way that he did that day. There was nothing unusual about the fact that Jesus got up and read the scripture. In fact, I would venture to say he probably read that scripture a number of times before. But this time when he read that scripture, there was an anointing on his words. 
He said it knowing full well that this scripture was a fulfillment of who he was. He was the son of the living God. He was the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. And he was going to announce that. And he basically read the scripture again. And this time he added, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Glory to God. And some people believe, some scholars believe, that there was a seat in most synagogues, which was a seat that was always empty and reserved for Messiah when he would come. Some people believe after he got up and said, I am your Messiah, he went and he sat down in that seat. That's why every eye was upon him. Amen. Glory to God. And if you read the rest of the story, they rejoiced greatly and welcomed him as the Messiah of God. No, the Bible says they ran him out of the synagogue up to the edge of the cliff and wanted to throw him off. But Jesus conveyed himself away. In other words, he said, this is not the Jesus of Nazareth you're looking for. He was way ahead of the Jedi way back then. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> he announced that he was exactly the man that the Scripture said he was in that passage from Isaiah that they were all familiar with. Furthermore, he resolved himself to begin walking out the picture painted in the Word of God's power, love, and compassion in his earthly life and ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's return back to the example of Gideon that we discussed last week when we finished up the power of imagination. And if you'll stay with me, I think you'll see some parallels in how we should see ourselves the way that God sees us in modern times in the light of the anointing of Jesus Christ. Amen. So stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. In the New King James Version. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belongeth to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress, in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now we spent some time last week talking about how that that Hebrew word there translated as mighty man is the Hebrew word gibor, which means a warrior, a mighty warrior, a fearless warrior. And it paints the picture of somebody that does not accept defeat, but advances constantly in the face of the enemy with bravery and with valor. Amen? We talked about how that Gideon, in no way, shape, or form, did he see himself that way. But in order for him to fulfill his calling and do the thing that God called him to do, he had to see himself in a new light. He had to see himself as a mighty man of valor, the deliverer of Israel for his generation. Amen? Let's continue. Verse 13. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Amen. You can tell by his response. He wasn't receiving the fact that he was a mighty man of valor. He basically said, what about all the miracles all our forefathers told us about? How come we don't see those miracles today? If we're not careful in our age, we too can slip into the same kind of thinking, specifically when it comes to walking in the power of God, walking in signs, wonders, and miracles. Where are all the miracles that we've heard about in the great revivals of the turn of the century? 
in the 1940s and 50s, the healing revivals, in the charismatic revival. Why are we not seeing those signs, wonders, and miracles today? How many either have said that or have been tempted to say that? Probably all of us. Amen. Well, I believe that a resurgence of signs, wonders, and miracles is already upon us. It's beginning to happen all over the world. It's beginning to happen in the United States of America, the good old U.S. of A. But one of the things we can do to quicken those days is to see ourselves walking in the power of God. Notice that Gideon specifically mentions the power that God displayed when he brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. This is very interesting when you examine the next verse, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? The word translated as might there in this verse comes from the Hebrew word koach, which means strength, power, might, and ability. It just happens to be the same word translated as might when describing the power of God that was displayed when he delivered the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt, in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, verse 13, New King James Version. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear it, for by your might you brought these people up from among them. The same word, koach. The same Hebrew word is found in Joshua 14, this time translated as strength. When Caleb declared to Joshua that he was just as strong at 85 as he was when he was in his 40s. Joshua 14, 11 through 12, New King James Version. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now listen, what did he do with that strength? Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. In other words, Caleb declared to Joshua, listen, when I went in as one of 12 spies, yeah, I saw that the cities were fortified. I saw this mountain. I saw that the mountain was full of giants and it didn't deter me. I was ready then to go and take that mountain. I'm still ready, 45 years later, to take that mountain. Now give me my mountain. And if you read the rest of the story, he conquered that mountain, made it his own. Glory to God. One more example. That word is found when describing the strength of Samson. Judges chapter 16, verse 17, New King James Version. Samson told Delilah, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength, guess what word that is, koach, will leave me, and I should become weak and be like any other man. These examples paint an even more vivid picture of what the angel of the Lord was really trying to convey to Gideon when he was hiding and threshing wheat in that wine press. You are to go in the same power, strength, might, and ability that God used when he delivered the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. 
the same power, strength, might, and ability that God placed upon Caleb when he was 85 years old, when he drove out all the giants, took the mountain that was promised to him, and made it his own. The same power, strength, might, and ability that God would one day place on Samson, making him an unstoppable warrior. You are to use that power, that strength, that might, that ability to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites. Let's talk about the fact that we, as born-again, spirit-filled believers, we have the power that Gideon had, and then some. We need to see ourselves as the mighty warriors that God has called us to be, walking out the power, the strength, the might, and the ability of God in our earthly life and ministry. Amen? But how much more power and authority do we have as born-again, spirit-filled men and women of God? Caleb didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside. Joshua didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside. Gideon didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside. How much more power and authority do we have in this age to do mighty exploits like Gideon did in the book of Judges? Amen? Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm going to say that again. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. That's a type of the demonic realm. And over all the power of the enemy, no exceptions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Imagine if we started acting as if this was really true. Many of us read this verse, but we're not walking it out. You should walk into a room and you should say, I don't care how many devils are in this place. God sent me into this place to deliver somebody and nothing shall by any means hurt me. I have absolute authority and power over this realm in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We have more power in us than all of those Old Testament saints and all of those Old Testament examples we read about combined. We have in us the same power that God used when He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 8.11 The greatest demonstration of God's power in the history of the universe. And we have that on the inside of us right now. I like what Andrew Womack says. There's enough power in this room to raise every dead person on the planet in the name of Jesus. Think about that. Glory to God. Just like Jesus, we too need to see ourselves as walking in the power, the love, and the compassion that Jesus demonstrated in His earthly life and ministry. John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus said to His disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Again I say, imagine the impact if we actually believed that those words were true and started walking it out in our life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and I do the miracles that Jesus did, and then some. I do greater works than Jesus did. That sounds pretty edgy, doesn't it? Well, I know one man, he oversees a thousand churches in India, and he's personally raised 25 people from the dead. In this age, in this time. 
I think sometimes we think we would offend Jesus if we dare to think that we could do a miracle greater than what he did. There's no need to feel like you're shaming Jesus because if you do a miracle greater than what Jesus did in his earthly life and ministry, it's still him doing the miracle anyway. Amen? Amen. Jesus said we would walk in the same power that he walked in. So let's begin to see ourselves doing that and then begin to walk it out in our lives and ministries. We've been talking about the power of imagination and meditating on the Word of God. So here's a specific challenge, purely voluntary, of course, but a habit that I once formed that I intend to return to. Let's take another look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, and let's use it as a means of meditation. Now, it's easy to do because it's already written in the first person, so it's already personalized. You know, some scriptures you have to take them and you have to personalize them. Jesus himself took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses. You have to change the wording and make it personal. Here, it's already personalized. You can read it in the first person and you can apply it to yourself. Even though Jesus was the first one to speak these words, you are now in the place of Jesus representing him and you have a right to speak this verse over yourself. Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now this is my challenge. Say this over yourself at least once a day, preferably more than once a day, every day for 30 days. And then watch what happens. Watch what happens. I've done it before. And you will be amazed at the doors that will open and the opportunities that will avail themselves to you to lay hands on the sick, to pray for people, to to perform an act of love, to cast out a devil, to give a word of knowledge, to speak the word of the Lord to somebody, to watch a miracle happen right before your eyes. Just confess this over yourself. And when you do, Meditate on the Word of God. See yourself doing those things. See yourself laying hands on the sick. See yourself laying hands on the hard cases that nobody else will dare touch. The people in wheelchairs. The people that are all mangled. See yourself laying hands on the blind and and sight coming to the blind. See yourself casting a spirit of deafness out of somebody and all of a sudden they can hear. See yourself raising somebody from the dead. Hallelujah. I had a dream a couple of years ago. It hasn't manifested yet, but in the dream, very vivid dream, I walked into a hospital room, and there was a young man there, looked like he was maybe 35 years old, and he was dead. He had a mustache, and it's all I remember, black hair and a mustache, and all his family was all around him, and they were all weeping and wailing and wondering why he died so early. And I remember in the dream, I walked up to him, I touched his forehead, and I said, I command you to breathe in Jesus' name. And he sat up, and he went, (gasps) Now, that hasn't manifested yet, but I see myself doing that. And one day, I'm going to walk into a hospital room, and there he'll be, and I will touch him on the forehead, and he'll be raised from the dead to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. See yourself doing the things that Jesus did. He already told you you're going to do it. So begin to see yourself doing the things that Jesus did, and even greater works than Jesus did, because he told you that you would. Amen. Glory to God. Will you take the challenge? 
just once a day, preferably more than once a day, read that scripture, put it on an index card or something where you can put it before your eyes quickly and read that over yourself and just take a few minutes and visualize yourself doing those things that are contained in that verse. And after 30 days, I want to hear the reports. Amen. Probably start hearing the reports before 30 days are up. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, thank you very much. You guys have been awesome. All right. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Walking in the Power of God. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.